at the center of that, you can see that giant gold dome. That is an enormous mosque. It is uh, the Iman Ali Mosque. And our story will start here today with this mosque in this uh, 2003 in Iraq. And I know that's a long time ago. In some ways it seems yesterday. But uh, we had conquered Iraq in just a couple of weeks. And by 2003, we were kind of engaged in the uh, restore stability to the country. Uh, when you take a dictator away, all the little sects that were forced to get along by the dictator were allowed to do whatever they want, and there was basically civil wars on about 12 different fronts. And in Al-Najaf, there were two sects of uh, both Muslim, but they were uh, didn't like each other. And the mosque, which had been built and was opened in the year 977, uh, that was a target for one of the mobs that they wanted to destroy it. And a, a large portion of the population wanted it destroyed. A large portion of the population wanted to present each other. And in between, here comes the 101st Airborne. Uh, a guy that we'll talk about, his name was Lieutenant Colonel Christopher Hughes, was an um, officer in the 101st Airborne. And they were, in this case, they were on foot. And his orders were to protect the mosque and, you know, not start another war. And so he's got a battalion, about a 750, give or take, officers, men, soldiers in the 101st, which is a they're kind of an elite outfit, a uh, very famous outfit in our history. And the 750 soldiers are going to guard the mosque, and there's two mobs that are coming in. And that's his only order. Make sure you don't start a war and, and protect the mosque. So what would you do? You're there. Let's just put yourself in Lieutenant Colonel Hughes' shoes. Uh, you've got virtually impossible orders. Uh, you've got a mo- uh, mobs coming at you. Uh, your men have uh, sidearms and long rifles, but you know no mechanized equipment, no tanks, no no big things. And uh, your job's not to start a war. And you know shooting at people is generally not a that's the bad way to avoid that. So. They've got to do this somehow. And he's representing the United States. He wears our flag on his shoulder. He's leading a group of people. And he's there kind of on his own with his his officers and men. And everything's against him. And he has this sort of impossible order. Can you feel that pressure? What that might be like? An angry mob? I mean, just think about that alone. This is 2003. There are suicide bombers going off all over the place. Every time they drive somewhere, improved, uh, what do they call them? Improved explosive device. Improvised. Thank you, Michael. Uh, You know, we're losing soldiers there. So the, the chance when this mob comes forward that they have more than clubs is high. It's not terribly dissimilar to where you and I are at today. We are Christians, if you're a believer, in a culture, particularly in America, that is not pro-Christian, not in the attackist sort of way necessarily, but our culture is not supportive. Even the American way, if you will, is based on individualism, and it's based on what we want, and do the right thing for yourself, and even our, our form of government is kind of based on individualism, and yet... The Christian identity is about not yourself. It's about selflessness. It's about Christ first. And so there's a lot of things that go against us as far as being able to 
do the right thing? And what, what is the right thing to do? You know, if we're Lieutenant Colonel Hughes in Iraq, what's the right thing to do? But what if you're you? What if you're me in the middle of this life we have here? What's the right thing to do? What's the purpose? That's a question I've been dealing with, I think, my whole life. I think we all do. But what's my purpose in Jesus Christ? And that one I can actually answer. When I think about the most important part of who I am and who you are, it's the same thing. What's your purpose? Your purpose is to proclaim Jesus Christ. doesn't matter what your job is. doesn't matter what your age is. doesn't matter what your situation is what your health is, your purpose is always to proclaim Christ, to worship him. And it doesn't matter if you're in a hospital bed hooked up to tubes or if you're fully ambulatory and you're here with us this morning. Your purpose is to proclaim Jesus Christ. And our text for that, that um, explains that, is this, Colossians 1.28. I'm only going to do one verse, so if you want to turn there in your Bible, that's fine, but I'm not really going to have you read any more than just what's on the screen. So. It's a short sermon, folks. We've got to kind of move fast today with not a lot of time to prepare. Um, we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. You've heard this before. You've heard this from me before. If you're with us long enough, you'll hear it a couple more times with me. This is a good verse. This is a verse that talks about a lot of things for me personally, talks a little bit a lot of things for us as a church. So, Let me pray one more time, and uh, let's dig into this real quick. Holy Father, we come to you now as we turn to your word, and Father, we just pray that any mistakes I will make this morning, any uh, misstatements, overlooks, anything, Father, be corrected by your Spirit, and that, Lord, it would be, again, your Holy Spirit that reaches into our heart, takes your word, plants it there, and lets us take action based on that, and that, Father, we, as a greater growing everyday purpose would be your church more and more day by day through the study of your word. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you that we can read the word in our own language and that you're here to teach us. Father, we thank you for this and ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, real quick, got to do a little context. Um, Our buddy Paul, uh, probably the greatest author that writes stuff down, uh, that I've ever run through. He wrote this in 60, 60 AD, uh, getting towards the end of his life, not at the end like we've studied in other uh, passages. He's imprisoned in Rome, although it's, it's the house arrest prison at this point. Um, he wrote Ephesians and Philemon in 60. Uh, so pretty good year for Paul, pretty productive. A lot of books coming out. Um, Colossae is in Turkey, or what we would call Turkey there, um, with a little donut over it. Uh, The Colossian church was a young church. It was a pretty new church. And they, like a lot of the churches, had started off with the right thing. And then bit by bit, they started kind of adding rules to salvation. Yes, you need to believe, but ah, you need to do this too. And then it was, and you need to do this. And then pretty soon, without meaning to, they're way over here on truth. And one of Paul's buddies wrote a letter to Paul saying, hey, um, that church in Colossae, they're way off. And so Paul's writing this letter. Uh, we don't know exactly what the problems were. It's kind of a general come back to the truth, come back to what's important, come back to what is the big deal. And the key verse of all of the book is uh, 311. It's, but Christ is all and in all. So everything we talk about is about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. 
all of the book will reflect back to that one main context, which is Christ is supreme, he's most important, and everything should point back to Jesus Christ. Mission statement of our church would be consistent with that, to glorify Christ Jesus in the church. That's an important thing. Paul has a big heart for this church and a big passion for making sure the churches that he had a little piece of helping to establish uh, would follow the truth. That was important to Paul. Uh, It's a great verse. Uh, The verse right before verse 28 is phenomenal. Uh, It's also worthy of great study, but we're just going to take a look at the one today. We proclaim him admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man as complete in Christ. We start with observing the verse. What do we see here? Well, and it should not be overlooked. English throws us off a little bit, but it starts... Okay, you can see that. It starts and ends with Jesus Christ. In fact, if you... uh, The way Paul wrote, uh, it started with, Him we proclaim. Now, that would sound odd to our ears in grammar and English, but in... The Greek, that's how Paul started. Most important thing, Christ. Ends with Christ. I think that's appropriate. I don't think that's an accident. If you're going to encapsulate one little verse, that's pretty good. Starts and ends with Jesus Christ. What else do we see? Repeated words. We always want to look for repeated terms in a passage. Does that tell us anything? Well, every man shows up three times. That's probably a guide to us. Um, We've talked before about Do we see our church as a castle or as, I like to term, coffee? Meaning, is this a private country club? You can come in here if you meet our rules and our expectations and our dress code and and, and all that sort of thing. Or we like coffee. Coffee, when you put it in water, it changes the water. It goes out into the community. There are churches in America that see them like a castle. It's a fortress. It's a refuge from all the crazy, evil things in the world. And there are churches that see themselves as coffee. Their job is to change their community by being a part of it, the way coffee is a part of water. Am I stretching the metaphor? I don't know. I'm not sure. Anyways, the point being, every man is in there because every person is welcome in Jesus Christ's church. Every person, no matter who you are, your creed, your color, your existence, your philosophy, your whatever, you're to be present in church. And our role as Christians is to work with those, everybody, not just the people we like or look like us or that, you know, have good casseroles. It's, it's everybody, every man. It's very clear. And the man is, is uh, not male only. It's every person. Uh, third thing you can kind of see is the word we. Paul's speaking as a member of a church. It's not Gary proclaims him, and that we may present to Gary our friends to be saved. A lot of, again, a lot of other churches, the idea is that you have friends, you bring them to church, and the pastor will take care of them. That's not what the way the Bible reads. We are the ones who do the outreaching. We, as believers, are the ones who have the connection with our friends. And yes, bringing your friends to church is a great thing, but don't be, uh, don't be spiritually lazy, okay? If you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have just as much of the Holy Spirit as Gary does. That's the way, it, you get the Spirit of God indwelling your heart. Share that. I mean, how would you feel if you, if you had a friend come to church and, wow, they, they get the gospel, 
they become a believer, yay, but then they look at you and go, man, why didn't you tell me about this? You know, we were good friends. You didn't tell me about how amazing Jesus Christ can take my sins away? You let your pastor do it? Man, think about that as a, on a relational level. We, there's a plural thing that we do. And then there's a, this nice goal. We proclaim him so that. So here's what you do. Here's why you do it. There's, this, there's motion. There's a, an end point, a goal. There's something for us to shoot for. So let's take a look at a couple things. Like let's start with the verbs are important. And we'll take a look at three verbs today. And only one is any, uh, with a little bit of depth to it. Let's start with here. Proclaim. Now, your Bible, depending on your translation use, might say announce or it might say preach. Um, you might have a really odd translation that has something different there, but those are pretty much the big ones. Preach, announce, or proclaim. And the, the Greek word, yeah, I'm not going to try to read it, but there's a Greek word, and it means <laughs> to announce, to celebrate, or to declare. And really, it means verbally. It, it that's not the only way, but it means predominantly you do this with your mouth. And the town crier is a great example of this. He's, I mean, we make fun of them. They show up in, you know, comedies and such. But the town crier, the idea of that is they are, uh, they're a, a minister of the government. And nothing's official until the town crier says, this is what the official word is. And they go out and tell everybody what the word is. Um, the grammar for this word indicates that it is something that you do and keep doing. You don't stop doing it. It's something that you do that is your heart's passion. It's the most important thing in some ways that you do and that you have authority to do it. Like the town crier, he's got a uniform on, very distinctive, comically so, I might say. But we have a uniform too. Think about Lieutenant Colonel Hughes at Al-Najaf. He's in a uniform. His actions are not just his. He has to represent both his commanding officers, but ultimately the United States of America. You, as a believer, me, as a believer, we have a uniform. Now, it's on the inside. It's called the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come out in a way that we can see. It comes out through our actions. It comes out through our mouth a lot. Paul had a lifestyle. He had a lifestyle of proclaiming Jesus Christ. Everything changed for Paul on that road to Damascus. And he made, took action on it. He proclaimed Christ in lots of different ways, mostly verbal, but lots of other ways. Um, our actions, we have to think about our actions because we represent somebody. It's a bigger thing than us. Proclaiming, sometimes we take that to mean, okay, I need to stand on a street corner. That's a way to do it. That is proclaiming. But sometimes doing things publicly can make it more, hmm, our sin nature comes out. I don't know if you've run into these people. I use these people, not these particular people, but negative examples. Shouting at people on a street corner, I have no doubt there's ways, people have been saved through that. I have no doubt about that. I think their odds are pretty bad. Uh, I think one-on-one relationship with people I think the odds for that are much, much higher of my ability to share the gospel is going to be greater if I treat you very kindly and I get to know you as an individual, respect you as an individual, maybe even a little bit humbly, versus screaming at you about you're a sinner, you're a bad person, and you shouldn't be going to the concert, you shouldn't be going into this football game, which is where this is taken, whatever. 
Shouting at people is not proclaiming. That's called shouting at people. Okay? It's a technical definition. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we were going through Ellensburg, and there were a group of people on the county courthouse in Kittitas, right downtown. They had signs and were yelling. And I thought, oh, no. Here we go again. Another group that somehow I'm going to have to apologize for, my friends that aren't saved, they say, yeah, you know, Christians are all like that. When you drove by, there were the Independent Baptist Church, which I yelled out, aren't you all? Aren't we all independent? You know, whatever. Anyways, they were laughing. But all they were saying is, we love you. God loves you. You're a good person. Hey, God's love. And they were all positive about it, kind of breaking the stereotype, which was, you know, a little convicting to me, but it was also kind of fun. So there's an Independent Baptist Church in Ellensburg. Apparently, they're a cool group of cats. That's an extra. That's not part of the sermon. So the full thought here is that we proclaim him. Whoops. We proclaim him. Um, The proclamation is Jesus Christ. You don't have to know every jot and tittle of our, our doctrine. You don't have to know how to quote every bit of the Bible perfectly. It's good, I think, to know those things and or have a reference to it. You gotta preach Jesus Christ though. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's all you gotta preach. That's all you gotta proclaim. Christ is in your heart. Why? What difference has that made in your life? Explain that. That's very simple. A couple minutes is all. J. Vernon McGee. He said, the gospel is not what we preach, but who we preach. So, Pastor Gary has a very incredibly specific role. Great, gifted, smart, well-trained, well, well well-educated. We're not Pastor Gary. But we have Jesus Christ in our heart. We have the Holy Spirit in our heart, and I can share that. That's all. Proclaiming Jesus Christ isn't like giving a sermon. Proclaiming Jesus Christ is sharing that you have Jesus Christ. What's that? That makes a big difference to you. We're a different person because of Jesus Christ. Um, then it talks about the last couple things. You go to the next verbs, and it's how do you proclaim? Well, if we follow along in the verse, we proclaim him admonishing every man, teaching every man. So admonishing and teaching. We tend to think of those as a positive and a negative. Admonishing, we tend to look at as negative. Don't do that. Teaching, do this. But they're both the same. It's a coin. One side versus the other side. Admonishing is warning. Teaching is guiding. They're both important, and they both are necessary. We sometimes, because admonishing comes across in our culture as a little negative, we shy away from that a little bit, and we probably shouldn't. We probably let our neighbors, our friends, our brothers, our sisters, our wives, our husbands, our kids, our parents get away with more than they should. Not in a bad way, but just hey, you shouldn't, why are you saying that? You shouldn't be saying that. Admonishing can be very simple. It's an act of love, and it's part of how we improve ourselves. It's how we as a church grow in maturity is by admonishing and teaching. Admonishing and teaching. A um, friend of ours, he used to say his role was to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. He's a pastor. It's pretty good. We can't shy away from the admonishing part. The important part here is those words are all used, both admonishing and teaching, that they are personal, 
It's interactive with one another, and it's, we do it by example as well. So if I want to admonish someone, I do it personally. Um, I don't know if you better, like in classrooms, where, okay, somebody left their eraser out, so all of you get no recess. Boy, that would tick me off. Now, personally, if I did it wrong, okay, I'll take my lumps. I'm good with that. That's personal. We personally teach, we personally admonish. It's interactive. I know the person. I care about you, so I'm willing to say something that might be uncomfortable. I care about you enough, I want to give you some advice. And we're going to do it also by example. Nothing worse than saying, do this, and then the person does the opposite, right? You probably think of coaches or teachers, people we've had, people in elected office that say, do this, do this, and then they do something else. Uh, those are all are bad things. Guide, instruct, inspire could also be kind of what that admonish and teach as well. But it's personal, and it's by example. It takes submission to do those things. You have to submit to what Jesus Christ wants. Um, and we're to do all those things with all wisdom. Admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom. Wisdom is one of those things in the Bible that um, is always called out as one of the best things you can get. Kings, great rulers, what was their most prized possession that they would pray for? Wisdom. What gets you out of every trouble in the world? Wisdom. They've said there's a difference. It's not knowledge. Knowledge is good. Wisdom is better. Knowledge is knowing that the tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing you don't put it in a fruit salad, right? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Acting with, by example, acting out your examples, living what you're teaching and admonishing is important. Have you heard the story of the guy in the hole? I've told this before. Am I seeing nods? Okay. Okay. If you don't remember it, guy falls in a hole. All these people walk by, and it's a little instructive thing about comparative religions and politicians and political systems. And they're all exam. All the people walk by, they don't help the man in the hole. But one person does, and that's the Christian example, is that all other church, every religion in the world is different. Only Jesus Christ drops in the hole for you because he knows the way out. And the story of the guy in the hole is the, we do things by example. Uh, sometimes it's not enough to say to people, here's what you need to do. We have to go stand with them and walk through them with it. Getting in the hole is a big thing. Our goal, our target is to present everyone as complete. Uh, that's that, so that every man may be complete in Christ. And again, it's a everyone, everyone's welcome, and complete is an interesting word uh, because you think about it, does that mean finished, done? Nah, the word kind of indicates that. Perfected, if you look out the word, we'll say sometimes complete. But in the context of the passage, it really the best translation of complete is ready for use. And that's one of the, the actual definitions of the word, ready for use. I like to think of it as when you uh, pass your driver's license test. Are you the greatest driver? Are you Mario Andretti when you pass your driver's license test? That's an old racer for you young people. Uh, no, but you're ready. 
Okay, our job as a church, proclaim him, admonish every person, teach every person to make them complete, to make us all ready for use by God. As an individual, as a believer, our purpose is to proclaim Jesus Christ, to admonish and teach everyone, no take sides, so that our friends, our neighbors, our family members may be ready for use. A believer. God can use a believer. So it's interesting. The whole passage, uh, the principles are timeless. It's, it's not related to just 60 A.D. Those are principles that are, they say, the grammar of the word. In Greek means do this, keep doing it, don't stop doing that. Uh, Paul, uh, sorry, Paul Mayhew, a lot of Pauls in our life, uh, Paul Mayhew texted me this morning. They uh, are three churches that were related to in Hong or in Macau. Have also they started a seminary in Hong Kong, and there's some really great things about why that's a nice thing. But Paul last night, which is actually tomorrow, anyways, Paul texted me early this morning that in the previous evening they had the inauguration ceremony for the seminary, which is a big deal. They kind of kicked it off. The seminary is open. The seminary is running. And they're going to start presenting people as complete in Christ, ready to use to go be pastors throughout the most populated country on the planet Earth. That's a big deal. That is a perfect example of this. And Paul, by the way, said it really went great. And Paul was very enthused and very happy about how it went. And thank you for all the prayers. And he asked me to pass that on. Um, but when those people start graduating, they'll be ready for use. They'll be complete in the way that this passage is talking about. Uh, no longer children to be tossed here and there by the waves of everything. So we come to the end, the so what question. So the Bible says, proclaim him, admonish, teach with wisdom, anyone, everyone. What do we do about that? Well, First off, for me, it's my drop back when I get a little confused by life or life doesn't be going well. It's, okay, what am I here to do? I'm here to, pre- I'm here to proclaim. I'm doing it right now. That's kind of nice, but I'm supposed to be doing it all the time. We're, we're all called to do that all the time. And it's to keep people from kind of falling in those holes, to be matured, all of us together in Christ. A lot of people say, well, I can worship God anywhere. Well, yeah, you can. You better be. That's good. You should be doing that. Um, but we're only together as a church, a small periods of time. And this is where some of the great admonishing and teaching takes place. It's here on a Sunday morning, or it could be a Friday night, it doesn't really matter, but it's when the church is gathered together is when we get to kind of spark off one another just a little bit, and we hear and share and reach out, and then we go do our own little things with other little smaller groups maybe of the church. But the church together only comes together at that one time, and it's a big deal. It's worth paying a little extra attention out because it's not about us. Yeah, I can worship God anytime. That's good for me. That's looking at it from my perspective. Oh, I don't have to be here Sunday morning. I can worship God anywhere. Well, I can't be with all of you if I'm out by myself. I need to be here with you. That's a big deal. That's an implication for me what this verse talks about. The other stuff has to do with kind of what do we do as a church when we're, we're carrying things forward and living out our mission as a church, our mission statement, to reach out to people and proclaim. And how do we do that? And is there an example to follow? Yeah. 
We've got it written down for us. We are to go after every person, make anyone feel welcome, to proclaim Christ, to share Jesus Christ. You don't need to be a preacher to do that. We have Christ in us. You can share it, and we sometimes have to correct, and sometimes we teach, and we do that with wisdom. And sometimes that takes a little work. But that's our goal is to get people so they can be a believer, and then God can use them, and our church grows. So we'll circle back to Lieutenant Colonel Hughes. You're in Iraq. You're him. You're standing there with a small group of officers and men. You've got a large group of crazy people who want to go after each other, blow this beautiful building down that stood there for generation after generation. What do you do, and is it, I'll give you a hint, Lieutenant Colonel Hughes is a Christian. How do you respond to that? That's a tough one. Well, he gave three orders. He said, first, sling your weapon. Put it around behind your back. Secondly, take a knee. Universal sign of respect and humility. Third, smile. So this angry mob is coming in. Well, several angry mobs. And all of a sudden, all these pretty tough-looking elite U.S. soldiers, well-equipped, their weapons on their back, and take a knee and smile. And the mob didn't know what to do. It was like they hit a wall. You know, they were expecting a fight. Some of them were trying to provoke a fight because they know if we take a shot at someone in the mob, that's the story. We shot civilians, and it starts a whole other conflict. What happened was when they all kind of stopped, they didn't know what to do, The leaders kind of walked forward, and then Lieutenant Colonel Hughes could walk up, and he negotiated one-on-one a peaceful settlement. That mosque, still there today. It's had some damage, and there have been, you know, things have fallen on it from the sky, but it's still there today because a Christian leader was in the right place at the right time to find a way to defuse the mob. If you're in that situation, that's a pretty bold move. That's a very bold move. A lot of risk with that. But the concept. You can go through the Bible. You can go through a lot of things. The concept of taking a knee, both physically, is a sign of respect and a sign of humility, but it's also metaphorically is kind of laying down your guard and meeting people where they are. Um, I coached football. I was a football player. We never sat down at practice. If the coach had something important to say, you know what we did? We took a knee. That was the sign the coach would tell us that, okay, Take a pause and listen up. Take a knee. No one sat down. But it was a respect thing. Metaphorically, when we can take a knee, we can kind of sometimes surprise people that we want to reach for Jesus Christ by being humble, by dropping our armor, by putting away our weapons. There's a strong desire in all of us, if you're even a little competitive, to want to be right and to want to win an argument. Social media is designed to take advantage of that part, that black part of our soul, of our person that's sinful, that wants to be right, that wants to get in an argument and win the argument. Taking a knee, maybe physically, but having that ability to step back and meet somebody on their terms gets around that. Rabbi Zacharias pretty great guy. 
he said, we must find the back door to people's hearts because their front door is too heavily guarded. Lieutenant Colonel Hughes, the front door was armed and had clubs and wanted to start a fight. He found a back door. We're going to surprise these people by being humble and putting our weapons away and smiling. What a great... You'd be surprised how far a smile can get you in life and defuse situations and get to the back door. Whatever the back door is on the person you're trying to reach, I don't know. You might know. might take a little work. But it's a great example. It's a great example of Colossians 1, verse 28. So, my purpose, your purpose, our purpose as a church, proclaim Jesus Christ. We do that in a lot of different ways. We admonish, we teach, we do that in a lot, a lot of different ways. But at the end of the day, it's so we can reach people and share Jesus Christ with them. And they will know what we know, that our sins are forgiven and that we have a life to come that is so much better than anything we can possibly imagine. And God will complete them. God will use them. God will complete them. Our uniform we wear is not on our sleeve, but it's a uniform nonetheless. We represent somebody and our job is to do that preaching, proclaiming, reaching out with our mouth, with our actions, to share it with someone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thank you to have time today that we can be with you to study your word. And Lord, now we are going to uh, worship you. And we pray that just as it was that your Holy Spirit taught us through your word, it would be your Holy Spirit that empowers our worship of you. And even though you receive perfect worship as we speak from angelic beings, you desire to hear our worship, and it is treasured by you. And, Father, we offer it to you as your church with a whole heart and reflecting upon how great, how awesome, how holy you are and how you have shown us the greatest mercy and forgiven our sins. And, Father, it is by your Spirit that we pray in Jesus Christ's name that would empower our worship, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand as we sing this last song together?